Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. We've had so much fun this week covering the 2019 Easter Bowl out in Indian Wells, one of the premier events of the junior year internationally and certainly can be considered the Super Bowl of American tennis, the only Super National where the 12s through 18s are all at one site. And we are so happy today to be joined by the tournament director, Lorne Kuehl. Mr. Kuehl, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. All right, Alex. I'm ready to answer anything you can throw at me. Oh, well, we, uh, the Bobby Riggs stuff is too obvious. I don't want to start there. I want to start with the Easter Bowl. And one thing in particular, the fact that you guys have live streaming this year, as a fan, I so appreciate that. And I just want to know, what went into that decision? And you know, how, did, how were you guys able to execute that so successfully? Well, you know, this is technology. This is the 21st century, and that's the deal. Everything is, is streaming now. TV is going to become a dinosaur soon, and so we saw the future, and so we're, we're streaming, and it gives access to people all over the world to tune in and watch it. They go to easterbowl.com, easterbowl.com, and you can pick up the live streaming right there and watch some of the action. We got the best players in the United States playing here, boys and girls in every division. So... For example, tomorrow morning, starting 9 o'clock Pacific time, you'll see the finals of the boys' 12s and the boys' 14s. So you can tune in and watch it and you can see some really interesting tennis. You can't believe how good those guys are at 12 to 14 years old. Uh, and the I girls see. are following that. So uh, I, I – I certainly agree with no sorry I I certainly agree with you the tennis has been so uh, fantastic but just even more so you, you talk about the technology and uh, I'm just curious is the live streaming is it something where you thought the players would enjoy it is it something you thought would help the tournament from a marketing perspective just what goes into that choice Well if the hell goes into the choice it's just obvious streaming is the future the present then the future so it's just an obvious choice you you see all kinds of sports People are streaming high school sports, lacrosse and, and soccer and things that were never accessible to the public before. Now, because of this technology, they can see a lot of interesting sports. Or, there's a million things on there you can stream. So it's, it's, it's not, there wasn't much of a decision to be made. You just keep up with the times. And as a fan, I'm so appreciative of that. Another thing I appreciate, and you know, I, I don't have kids yet, but hopefully they'll be good tennis players and be able to qualify for the Easter Bowl. You know, you were instrumental in helping the Easter Bowl move to the Indian Wells facility with the event being there right after the Masters event. You know, how, how cool was that a decision uh, for that to happen, and just what goes into that? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that this tournament was founded. 53 years ago by Sheena Hamilton, who was the, the mother of American junior tennis. And she founded the Easter Bowl. And like all of us, as, as people get older, time goes on and, and she retired from it. And I acquired the event from her seven years ago. And at that point, I had some nice relationships with the people here at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. And uh, they agreed to let us move over here. And so I saw that this could be the best thing that could ever happen to the tournament. It's like little leaguers going to play in Yankee <laughs> Stadium. So we moved it here, and it's taken the tournament to a whole other level. And you talk about taking it to the another level. As you mentioned, you have international players coming from across the world to play this event. Um, I, I mean, is the Indian Wells partnership, that's something you hope will continue into the future for sure? 
the, the relationship that we have with Indian Wells Tennis Garden is going to last forever because they want the Easter Bowl here, and this is now going to be the home of the Easter Bowl uh, for, you know, ad infinitum. Oh. And this is the home of it. So happy to hear that. Well, then, I do want to talk uh, a little bit about you because you've had a fascinating career in tennis. But just, you know, my last Easter Bowl preview, if you're plugging, you know, for the fans who are listening to this in uh, Southern California by Indian Wells, why should they come out to this event? Well, first of all, you you, you got to like tennis or you have to enjoy youth. This is youth <laughs> tennis. This is the Super Bowl of, of junior tennis. And so... I think that uh, there's a lot of entertainment value, and it's fun to watch the young kids play. They play pretty darn good. Don't forget, <laughs> Martina Hingis won the junior Wimbledon and junior French Open at 13 years old. You know, you, you've got Tracy Austin won the U.S. Open at 16 years old. These kids are just a hair away from playing the big pros. Recent winners in our tournament were Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafoe. CFOs in the quarterfinals of Miami right now. Three years ago, he was playing Easter Bowl. So you want to come out because you want to see the stars of the future. This tournament is the pathway to professional tennis. So anybody that's any good or has a future in tennis is now playing this tournament. So it's fun to come out and see these guys, and then they blossom into top players. Well, you talk about all of the names that have filtered through, obviously, the greats, uh, but even more recently, the Fritzes, the Tiafos. I know you've been tournament director for seven years, but you've probably been going you know, longer than that. Who are some of the most talented players, in your opinion, and I know this is subjective, but the, just that you've seen come through the Easter Bowl? Well, I mean, CeCe Bellis, for one, was a, uh, an Easter Bowl player. Uh, Sophia Kennan. Uh, I'd have to get out a, a list to go through everything and <laughs> tell you all the people that play, but, uh, you're going to have almost anybody that's ever played, you know, top tennis from America has played in the Easter Bowl. And, uh, uh I mean, I, I'm not sure that Chris Everett played it, but I, I would think that, uh, you're going to see people like, well, if you give me a second, I'll look at a list here. Let me find it. I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I was just looking here. Here's some of the, Here's some of the past champions. Claire Liu, she's on the pro. CeCe Bellis, Taylor Townsend, Christina McHale, Melanie Uden. Uh, let's see, who else? Terry Phelps, Beth Herr. These are all girls that did her very well in the pros. And in the boys, you had, uh, let me just see, Andy Roddick. How about that one? He played the <laughs> Easter Bowl. Uh, let's see what else here. I just saw, I'm going to look at the list here. Anyway, it goes without saying that these are the best players in the country playing. So that's, that's it right there. I completely agree with you, and that's why we were so excited at Cracked Rackets to get the chance to partner with you guys and kind of bring a spotlight to this tennis because it is so amazing. I do want to transition now a little bit about you, just starting off. I know you were born in Decatur, Illinois. You know, that's where you got your humble roots. As a fellow Midwesterner, I am uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I understand tennis in the winters. It, it's indoors. You know, you, you grow up playing it in these freezing bubbles, but you can still fall in love with it. I'm just curious, how did you get involved? How did you fall in love with the sport? Well, I'm from Decatur, Illinois, soybean capital of the world home of high flyer kites and uh there was not a whole lot to do back there so you know you're gonna go out and you're gonna get into sports i happened to pick up tennis because i 
was playing in the finals of the city ping pong championships when I was about 13 and I lost to a tennis player and we lived by a park. I went over there and I found that kid that beat me and I said, I got to go beat that guy in this game. So I started taking free lessons. I couldn't afford lessons. They were $2 and 50 cents an hour. And we couldn't afford it. So I'd watch to the fence and see the crow teach. And I'd take a free clinic once a week. And I like games. So uh, that's what got me started. I like competition. Well, I know I know this is a big picture question. I don't mean to you know throw these at you in, in the moment because they, they require a lot of thoughts. But you talk about even for you then how difficult it was to find lessons. But still you could go to your local park and just play with a friend. It seems, you know, so many tennis players, it's hard for them to really find out how good they can be because the travel expenses, the private lessons, all the things that go into making yourself a good tennis player now. You know, I'm just curious what what you've thought of the way, you know, tennis has structured that development pathway, if it's become more difficult. So what do you ask me? Is it how difficult it is today versus back then? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Well, it's, I don't think it's any more difficult. It's just more expensive, but everything's more expensive. Hey, I went to the movie, it cost me nine cents, not cost you $20. So it's the same. It just, you know, it's, it's it costs money. That's the unfortunate part. But everything costs money. So uh, the only advantage that we had back in those days is we didn't have all these these distractions and uh, all these all alternative uh, entertainment things out there. The computers and the iPhones and all these kids sitting there on FaceTime and all this stuff. All you know, they're spending two three hours a day. That's why we don't have as many good players anymore because you know all these kids are distracted by all this stuff. It's a national addiction these iPhones and sitting there, you know, looking at computers all day long and they they go home and they're out there and they're in there until two or three o'clock in the morning on Facebook. And uh, they're tired the next day when they get up and go to school, they're tired when they go to tennis practice. And that's why you see all these kids from other countries. Those kids are hungry. Our kids aren't hungry enough, you know? So, uh, you know, there are some and they're out there playing pretty well, but too many silver spoons, you know, on, on a lot of these kids. So these kids from Serbia or Uzbekistan or wherever they're from, you know, they're hungrier than we are. And that's, that's, I don't know the answer to that, you know, but uh, anyway, we do have some very good players coming up. Let's just see if they break through. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from uh, in, just in terms of there are so many options, you, you know, beyond just tennis. You can play football, soccer, basketball, baseball, yada, 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 and it's just hard to retain talent. But, you know, in terms of being a fighter, I know you were back in the day, and I know you had a relationship, obviously, with Bobby Riggs. In fact, you were portrayed in a movie by Eric Olson, Battle of the Sexes. Obviously, that movie uh, portrayed the match between Bobby Riggs and Billy. Gene King, and even before we get into any of the movie stuff, I, it's a stupid question, but was it cool to see someone being you on screen? Uh, well, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know, but it was it was different. Oh, it's got to be cool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it's okay. Uh, the thing that was fun is reliving the past. That's the fun part about it. And uh, and it was fun for me because it was quite an experience many years ago uh, going through all that that uh, battle of the sexes. And so it, with the, the latest one we did, we've done five about four or five of these type of things. The latest one was very good. It treated Bobby Riggs fairly, and 
and Billie Jean, uh, she beat him, and it was good. Actually, Bobby Riggs won that match. You know why he won that match? Let me explain that to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he won the match because even though he didn't win it by a score, he won it because when he lost, it set off all kinds of a ripple effects all over the country. Title IX and women's rights and equal prize money for women, and it turned out to be a great thing he did by losing. He didn't lose on purpose, but by losing, he did a great thing. Now they're making movies out. They've written books on You think if he would have won that match, it'd be, they'd be talking about today? No, it'd be buried. And uh, because he lost, they're making movies and, and still talking about it. They coined the phrase, Battle of the Sexes. You hear it every day. So he had a lasting impact on, on the whole country. So that's why he won. It's a, the whole match is a, it's become he's immortal because of that match. And as great as, as Gonzalez or Jack Kramer or Borg or Connors or McEnroe or any of these great champions, are they making movies on those guys? I don't think so. You know, although they did make a, a movie on Borg and McEnroe recently, which I thought was very authentic. I enjoyed it, but you know, it, it didn't even make the theaters over here. No, I, you're absolutely right. And I know how much Bobby means to you. I know you started the Bobby Riggs Tennis Club and Museum in California, which you still run, I believe. Um, and I, I'm just curious, you know, in terms of preserving that memory, because as you mentioned, Bobby, you know, that match, such an impactful moment in just sporting history. I think it was Sports Illustrated named it number 32 or something like that um, in the all-time sporting moments. You know, How important is it for you to preserve that sort of tennis history, um, obviously with the museum and just everything you've been involved with? Yeah, it's important to me because I was very close to, to Bobby, you know, and so uh, I enjoy it. And it's fun for me to, you know, live in the past. I don't live in the past, but you visit the past. It's, it's fun. And so I enjoy talking about it. To be honest with you, it's a, it was a it was a quite an experience. That whole thing. It's there's never been anything like it. It was a cover of Time Magazine. A hundred million people watching. That was before pay per view. You know, and it, it was it was a huge thing. We had you know thirty some thousand people at the Houston Astrodome watching that. There's never been a match like that since. I think there was some exhibition in the Netherlands or something that uh, that they had that they had that many people or something, but. Uh, you know, it was just a, it was just a fantastic time, and uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. And I, and I don't want to, you know, talk. We don't have to talk about this the entire time. But two more fun ones. I saw a fun picture of you with Steve Carell, the guy who obviously portrayed Bobby. I don't know if you had the chance to go on the court with him at all, but you know, given your experience versus his, had you guys played a set, you think you could have beaten Steve? Well, listen. Uh, I'll answer that. Hey, first of all, Steve Carell is uh, just a fantastic person. He's so humble, you can't believe it. My role in this movie was simply to orchestrate the tennis scenes in the movie. And also, I went to Steve Carell's house every day for three months and worked on his tennis game to get him to emulate Bobby Riggs's game. And he really had played I don't even know if he ever played tennis before, unless he hit a couple of balls down then. But he was such a good athlete that he picked it up instantly, and I molded his game after Bobby, and it was fantastic. And so I got to know Steve, and, and I just really uh, treasure that as well. The know Steve Carell was fantastic. And uh, anyway, he did a great job playing Bobby's character, and he did a great job with his tennis. Now, could I beat him? 
Well, you know, well, I would say yes, I would be if you never played before. Okay. <laughs> that, no, that. Hey, this, the guy's a great athlete. He was a hockey player in college. And if he played tennis every day, he would do very well. And, uh, but he, uh, he, he's, he's just a great guy. What can I say? No, I, I'm i a huge Steve Carell fan. I know you talked about distractions, and I don't want to incriminate myself, but his show The Office is one of my favorites, um, obviously, just so entertaining. And it was so cool to see the way por- he portrayed uh, Bobby because, as you mentioned, it was the body language. It was the, the way he hit the ball. All of these things he worked so hard to replicate. I'm curious, what goes into, you know, what are the little tips you're giving him? Is it, no, you know, Bobby had this sort of forehand loop. What what does that process look like? Well, what kind of tips do I give Steve? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, you, I, I know how Bobby hit the ball, so I molded his strokes after, <laughs> after Bobby's. And I would feed him balls and, and show him, and then we'd do a little video, and he'd look at it. And, you know, he was a very quick study is all I could tell you. And uh so we just hit a lot of balls, and he, he picked up his style very well. You'll watch the movie. You'll see some of the nice strokes in there. <laughs> no, and, and I have, and that leads me to my final question about the movie, another fun one. The clothing selection. It was eccentric, the, the clothing you guys were all wearing. It was eccentric. clothing was authentic. Uh, <laughs> it, it was some of it I'd say from the match, and uh, the guy who wore my clothing, uh, Eric Christian Olsen, he was wearing authentic clothing. It reproduced the exact Everything everybody wore, they reproduced it. It's very authentic. The movie was authentic. And, and I'm so happy to hear that. Well, then, talking about some of the other cool things you've done in your life, because you, you've gotten to experience so many uh, interesting tennis things, you were the hitting partner for Jimmy Connors. I know that that's something not everyone can say. Um, and, and it just seems like you've been uh, in, you know, in the game for so long. What is it about tennis that you know made you stick with it for this amount of time? Well, uh, you know, there was a movie called City Slickers, and 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 uh, Jack Palance was in the movie, and he tells Billy Crystal the secret in life. You know what it is? He said, "Just do one thing." So that's what I did. I've just done one thing. I don't try and do anything more or anything less. I just stick with tennis, and uh, you know, and uh, that's it. You know, so. That that was uh, the thing, and I, plus I, I seemed to have a knack for it. I enjoyed it, and uh, and so I just picked it up, and I and I made a living out of it. So I'd rather be on the tennis court than wearing a suit and a tie, you know, sitting in some office and can't look out the window, and you know, sitting there all day long. And here's tennis, and you're, you're active, you're outdoors. It's just a, it's a nice living. It's a nice way to live. Well then, without without giving away all of your trade secrets, you are one could argue the most successful tennis promoter in the in the sports history, outside of maybe Bobby, who was obviously. Well, let's not go that far. I'm not I'm actually no, I'm nobody in many ways. Okay, I, I don't do anything special. I don't know. I ran a couple of junior tournaments, and I was involved with Bobby, so I'm not I'm not that successful. But I I'm a, you know I, I'm okay. I enjoy it. So. <laughs> Well, you know, a, a wise man once said self-deprecation builds trust. So I appreciate you saying that. But still, on my list, at least, I have you uh, up there. And I guess what I'm asking is, for you, you know, we've seen the USTA 16s and 18s girls nationals now on Tennis Channel. We have Easter Bowl a, a, a live streaming. And for you, you know, how do you think tennis can continue to grow and, you know, more successfully promote itself given all of the options these kids have nowadays? 
Well, the National Girls 18s in San Diego, we've taken to a new level. We we have it on the Easter, we have it on the Tennis Channel, and they televise it. And uh, I'm very proud of that. And Billie Jean King now has put her name on the tournament. And uh, it's called the, actually it's called the USTA Billie Jean King Girls National Championships. And she comes out and gives her time. And actually, when you think about it, Bobby Riggs, is helping girls tennis. If I didn't do that with Bobby Riggs, I never would have had this relationship with Billie Jean King. And so that's that's the pitch I get. Bobby Riggs is really still helping women's tennis to this day. And uh, and because Billie Jean's come out and given us all this time and done so much for us in the national championships that uh, uh, I get a kick out of that. So it's in San Diego. It's August 3rd to the 11th this year. The winner goes to the U.S. Open. We've got it on the tennis channel. And uh, it's a very exciting event. We got 512 girls come. Actually, it's 448, and uh, and they play for the championship. And you know, every great player has played it. Chris Everett, uh, Dunsey Davenport, they've all played this thing, and then many of them won it. And uh, it's a, it's a, so watch for it. It'll be on TV again this year, about August 11th. And I look forward to seeing it. Well, then I'll do one last thing before we let you go. It's something we like to do with all of our guests, run you through a few rapid-fire questions just so our fans can learn you know, a little bit more about you. Hopefully I can get some fun answers out of you. But does that sound good? Okay. Fire away. I like it. Well, first one, easy one. Favorite city in the world? Decatur, Illinois. <laughs> Have you made it back for the Futures event there? Yeah, I go there. I have a house there. I go there. That's my favorite city. Oh, I'm happy to hear it. I agree. I'll always love Ann Arbor. I can answer them pretty quick when you give yeah. me the question. Per- favorite? Uh, yeah, sorry. It, it's my fault. I'm just, you know, I'm fascinated. Um, But favorite player you've ever watched? Bobby Riggs. <laughs> okay, non-Bobby, non-Billie Jean. Jimmy Connors. <laughs> Would you say he's also the best player you've ever watched? The best player I've ever watched? Well, that takes more than a quick answer, but I have an analysis of this thing. I mean, there's, there's... screw the rapid fire. Let's end. Let's end with this. The fire. It's just. A, I would say I'm not going to give you one guy. I'm going to give you yeah. maybe five. Perfect. You know, that's what. Five, that's what I'm looking for. Guys. We're obviously going to say. We're going to say Federer. We're going to say Federer. We're going to say Nadal. We're going to say Connors. We're going to say Gonzalez. And we're going to say Bobby Riggs. There you go. There's five right there. But but I want the longer answer, too. Screw the rapid fire. Let's end with this topic. Well, the longer answer, if you want to know the best players of all time, are that you go by the decade and you pick out the best players of a decade because you can't compare the players of today uh, to the players of 30 years ago because the equipment's different. The game has changed. So would Gonzalez or Riggs be able to play with these guys today? Yeah, they would. If they had the same equipment, everything, they'd adapt. But, you know, if you looked at them the way they play, the way these guys play today, these guys are far better right now. My my only argument against that, and it's not that I disagree with you because you're 100% correct about the nuance. It's just in one human in particular, Roger Federer's game translates across surface. It translates across court speed. I just think the skills he has are just – so, you know, that, that that's an interesting case you can make for him. Well. The thing about Federer, like any great athlete, they make it look easy. So Federer makes it look easy. Michael Jordan makes it look easy. You know, Jack Nicholas makes it look easy. Tiger Woods makes it look easy. And Federer makes it look easy. 
Nadal, on the other hand, every point for Nadal is like the Second World War. You know, <laughs> I mean, he, he's a great player, but look how hard he works. So uh, anyway, they're they're Federer and Nadal are both great. They're just different. Perfect. Well, then two more, or we'll do yeah, three more quick ones. Uh, favorite meal off the court. My favorite meal: pork tenderloins at Elon's Group Beer Stand, Decatur, Illinois. <laughs> Seems like everything roots back to Decatur. Um, favorite a favorite tournament for you to attend? Indian Wells, the BNP. It should be a Grand Slam. It's the best tournament in the world. Oh, After um, that, I like the U.S. Open. Oh, I'm I'm glad to hear it. Well, then my last question to you: uh, favorite non-tennis athlete? Favorite what? Non-tennis athlete? Yep. Non-tennis athlete. My favorite non-tennis athlete. I have to think about that. Let me think. I don't. I, I, my favorite non-tennis athlete. They're th- they're thinkers. Well, I mean, I like John Brody. You know who <laughs> he is? A, oh, that is an excellent answer, of course. Well, do you know who he is? You said, and I want to make sure I heard you correctly. John, John Broding. John Brody. B R O D. Why? Or I.E. I forgot. John Brody. From the uh, from football, the NFL. He went to Stanford on a on a basketball scholarship. He played junior tennis. He ended up playing football there. Then he went to the NFL. Then he won a professional golf tournament. So that's I my bl- favorite non-tennis athlete. Uh, quarterback MVP, right, for the 49ers? Probably. He, he, yeah, probably. I know who he is, kind of. Kind of. But I'd be lying if I said he was my favorite. Um, all right. Well, then, one last uh, thing for you. I want to give you a chance one more time. Can you remind all of our listeners where they can find all of the Easter Bowl coverage for this week? Yeah, Alex, look. Go to EasterBowl.com, and you can watch the thing live. We're streaming it, and you'll enjoy it. And on Sunday, watch the finals at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Rosie Casals, Hall of Famer, won I forgot, 11, 12, 13 Grand Slam titles. She's our commentator, along with, with Ken Thomas, and they're going to do the commentary for the finals of the ITF portion of the Easter Bowl. It'll be very exciting. So tune in, EasterBowl.com. Oh, well, I, I, will, I promise I'll be on the site. So hopefully, you know, if you make an appearance, walk across the court, uh, go up to the chair, I'll be like, wow, that, that guy was in a movie. He's much better looking in person. Now, wait a minute. Where is your home base? I want to ask you, where's your home base? Uh, so I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, you're in Ann Arbor. Is that okay? All right. Good. I don't know anybody in Ann Arbor. <laughs> but I know you now, and that's great. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the show, and it was fun. And anytime you want to talk more, I'll, uh, I've always, uh, I, I never, I'm the, known as a guy that can't say hello or goodbye in less than 2,000 words. Oh, uh, you and me both. I'll anything you got. Yeah, I look forward to it. Look, I'm happy. We'll come back post-Easter Bowl when you have a little bit more time. We can go 1970s, 19... 19- I just thought of something else we should plug. You know what we oh, should plug? I please. should plug my, my daughter. My daughter's a country singer. Her group is called Runaway June, and she's opening with Carrie Underwood and a 50-stadium tour around the country. Runaway June. Runaway June. She's got a song that's number 23 on the charts right now. Oh, look it up. And uh, and uh, you'll get a you'll get some good entertainment. Let's see what my daughter saying. Oh, we'll have to ask her. Maybe we can get her permission to use her song for the intro and outro of this podcast. But look, the rigology is strong with you. Good plug there. Well done. All right. <laughs> yeah, but 
And we will talk, I, when you have time, we'll go through the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, who the best players were. We can have the full debate. All right, and I hope I get to meet you in person one of these days, and thanks for calling. Yeah, of course. Take care, Mr. Cool. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.